May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good morning. So as much as I would like to begin on a cheerful note, to wish you a happy Thanksgiving weekend and a joyous start to the season of Advent, today's Gospel reading and and the season of Advent itself seem to have different ideas. Yes, it is the first Sunday of Advent, the beginning of the liturgical year and the beginning of the season that leads to Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year. But today, Jesus is he's not talking about a wonderful new beginning, is he? No, he is he's talking about the end, the end of the world, or at least the end of the world as we know it for uh, the REM fans among us. Of course, it's, it's like this every Advent. In each of the three years in our cycle of Sunday readings, on the first day in Advent, at the beginning of the church year, we hear Jesus talking about the end. In the Gospel of Matthew, it's referred to as the end of the age or the coming of the Son of Man. And this strikes quite the dissonant note against the merry and bright sentiments of the secular holiday season. Now, if that weren't enough, this year's passage from Matthew seems to speak of this thing called the rapture. The rapture is a belief held by some Christians, indeed many Christians, uh, that Jesus one day will rapture or snatch away his chosen ones, his elect, into heaven uh, before a period of trials and tribulations that will be followed after some number of years by the real second coming of Christ and the final judgment. The rapture is is the basis for for the famous or infamous, as it may be, a series of books and films called Left Behind. And in a roundabout and somewhat tongue-in-cheek manner, uh, the rapture is also the basis for uh, the truly brilliant HBO series called The Leftovers, which is not about what may still be in your refrigerator. The rapture, um, which is actually a relatively recent doctrine, is not held by the Episcopal Church, and indeed it is not held by most Christian denominations, especially ones with deep historic roots. In today's gospel passage, Jesus does speak about one being taken and another being left behind. However, he is comparing this apparently future situation to the biblical flood in Genesis, which came and swept the people away. It would seem then that to be taken or to be swept away is is the fate that Jesus is telling us we should want to avoid. You want to be the one that's left behind in this case, not the one taken or swept away. So the rapture reading of this text then seems to be uh, a bit flipped around. And furthermore, the word rapture does not appear in the Bible, and I don't believe it has strong biblical support. And it has no credible basis in historic Christian tradition. 
However, the second coming of Christ at the end of the age is in the Bible, and it is at the heart of Advent. Today's collect, or opening prayer, says that he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead. And the Advent preface to our Eucharistic prayer, which we will hear shortly, says that he shall come again in power and great triumph to judge the world. So we're, of course, hearing a lot of language of judgment here. So a word on judgment. Uh, Fleming Rutledge, uh, an Episcopal priest whose work on Advent I am drawing on extensively in this sermon, uh, she has this to say about biblical judgment. She says that references to judgment in the Bible are best understood in the context of God's righteousness. Not just his being righteous, the, the noun form of this, but his making right. That is a verb. That is his making right all that has been wrong. So in other words, judgment in the Bible does not equal condemnation. Rather, judgment is primarily about healing and restoration. So Advent, as we're finding, is, is not only a time to prepare for Christmas. It is also a time to look to the future, to the end of time. As Christians, we live in what Fleming Rutledge calls the time between. The time between the first coming of Christ, born in a stable in Bethlehem, and his second coming in glory to bring the kingdom of God in its fullness. We live in the tension between these times, between the already and the not yet. Our lives are lived in this tension. The ent entire church's life is lived in this tension. And for this reason, it can be said that for us, it is always Advent. We are a people who are oriented toward that which is yet to come. We live in, uh, as Jesse put it in her sermon last week, delivered by Jeannie, we live in liminal time, the time between, between what was, what is, and what will be. While the commercial Christmas industrial complex bids us to be mindlessly merry and bright and to participate in yet another holiday season of fairly senseless shopping, Advent reminds us of and calls us to have the courage to remember the brokenness, the suffering, the injustice, the disappointment that define life for, for far too many and that visit all of us from time to time, at the very least. And Advent reminds us of, and calls us to have the faith to keep watch for, the promise of future glory. The day when, in the words we heard William read today from the prophet Isaiah, all nations will say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. The day when they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. 
and nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. The day when all people will walk in the light of the Lord. Meanwhile, in the time between, God bids us to practice the art of waiting, watching, keeping vigil, keeping awake, as Jesus says. The lighted candle, the symbol of vigil keeping, is is also an Advent symbol. It's a symbol of hope and of expectation. So what is it that you're waiting for? Are you waiting for your heart and the hearts of others to open a little wider, to be better able to give love and receive love? Are you waiting for the healing of the heart, the mind, or the body, for yourself or for someone else? Are you waiting for justice, for peace, for freedom from fear, for your faith to grow stronger, for your devotion to grow deeper. All of our good and holy desires, the things that our souls wait for and long for, these things have their fulfillment in that future day when Christ will come again. And that future is breaking into the present. The kingdom of God is here, even as we wait for it in its fullness. And this, I believe, is why St. Paul wrote, now is the moment for you to wake from sleep. So keep watch, stay awake, look for signs of God's inbreaking into your life and into our world. These signs are usually small, but no less significant for it. Signs such as family gathering without conflict, or at least minimal conflict. (laughs) Finding that you were given the grace to be as kind, open, and present to someone else as you intended to be. Finding that someone else was was much kinder and gentler to you than you were expecting or felt you deserved. Now from time to time we are also given signs on a much larger scale, such as the witness and the victories of the civil rights movement. These signs are all around us and they come at unexpected times, in unexpected places, with unexpected people. So we must be on the lookout for them. We must identify them, claim them, remember them, and share them. And even as we are to wait for that which is yet to come, we are also to bear witness to it. Waiting is the the passive posture of Advent and of our lives. Bearing witness is the active part. So while the commercial culture calls us to participate in shopping, God and and Advent call us to participate in bearing witness to another way.
the way of Jesus, the way of cross-shaped, self-giving, and self-sacrificial love. In the words of St. Paul, read for us by Laura, let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Every act of kindness and generosity, every expression of patience, warmth, and compassion, every time we manage to refrain from saying, that we, saying something that we might later forget, I'm sorry, regret. Every time we make time to pray, even though we feel much too busy or just too tired. Every time we act on behalf of those on the margins and speak on behalf of those who don't have a seat at the table. Every time we do these things, we are putting on the armor of light. Yesterday, I happened to hear a Cat Stevens song uh, called Changes 4, and despite uh, it making the sermon even longer, uh, I thought it merited inclusion here, and it goes like this. Don't you feel a change coming from another side of time, breaking down the walls of silence, lifting shadows from your mind, placing back the missing mirrors, that before you couldn't find, filling mysteries of emptiness that yesterday left behind. And we all know it's better, and yesterday has passed. Now let's all start the living for the one that's going to last. So what are you waiting for? Let us start living for the day that's going to last. Let our lives be a longing for the coming of Christ, both now and still to come. And may we bear witness to that for which we wait. For we know what time it is, how it is now the moment to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us than when we became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Amen.